Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. What is going on, peeps? Welcome to episode 121 of the Fretzelmania podcast. I am the North American treasure, the historian of Wrestle Attic Radio, Mr. Fretz. Now, it's been a while. It's been a while since we could uh, sit down here and have a little chat about this crazy world of pro wrestling. Now, the last thing that I reviewed was coming home from New Japan AEW Forbidden Door with my good brother, Ryan Williams. Shout out to Ryan. Now, I told you all at the beginning of the summer that podcasts could be few and far in between as we go. And following Forbidden Door, my house became a not-so-forbidden revolving door for, for guests who were coming up to Sobble Beach to stay with us. Whether it was a cousin and an aunt on my mom's side or a cousin and an aunt on my dad's side, I had some good time hanging out with family while also uh, working like six days a week, as I always do in the summer. And that trend is going to continue as I go through the rest of the summer. You know, today I have a SmackDown from July 2003. Next week I have another SmackDown that actually takes place in Toronto, and I, I, I have to review that. It's going to take place in a place I literally just was two weeks ago. And somewhere after that, there is going to be Vengeance 2003. I might have a break on Civic Holiday Weekend, which falls on the same weekend as SummerSlam. So until the fall, don't expect any uh, normalcy, any routine, any weekly shows from yours truly. And uh, I apologize for that in advance. So now, crack a cold one, get comfy, because I got SmackDown from July 3rd to... 2003. But first, y'all know I have to go grapple surfing to see what else was going on during that particular week in the wrestling. Starting off with Monday Night Raw, June 30th, 2003, from the SBC Arena. In Buffalo, New York, this is home of the Buffalo Sabres, we had one interesting debut here because this particular young lady did not last very long in the WWE. And I thought this happened in like 2004. But we had a debuting Gail Kim defeating Ivory 
Jacqueline, the women's champion Jazz, Molly Holly, Trish Stratus, and Victoria to win the championship in a seven-woman battle royal. So Gail Kim is the women's champion, and man, uh, her and the WWE, uh, they didn't get along. There is a very tumultuous relationship there, to say the least. In a match for the Intercontinental Championship, the champion Christian wrestled Booker T to a no contest because it ended in a double pin. Chris Jericho and Test defeated... Am I reading this right? Scott Steiner and Stacy Keebler in a no-DQ tag team match. Okay, this is... I don't want to say interesting, but it's the only thing I can think of. Rico recently drafted to Raw, accompanied by Miss Jackie, defeated Main Event Maven. In a man who I believe was making his return to the company following a shoulder injury, Randy Orton, accompanied by Ric Flair, beat Tommy Dreamer. Orton is on a meteoric rise this year, and seeing that he's accompanied by Ric Flair, I think evolution has either already began or it's about to. Again, it's been a while since I've talked about Monday Night Raw. I missed Kane unmasking. That's how long it's been since I've covered Raw. Yeah, Triple H beat Kane in a match that if Kane lost, he had to unmask. And at the time, it was pretty huge. I mean, yeah, longtime fans know that Glenn Jacobs was Isaac Yankum and Fake Diesel and Unabom and other gimmicks that I'm forgetting. But this is when Kane went weird and crazy. Speaking of weird and crazy, we had the tag team champions, La Resistance, the Bell Ends and Shit Shirts, shout out to the RA Era podcast, beating Spike Dudley and the Hurricane to retain the Raw Tag Team Championship. And in the main event, Triple H, accompanied by Ric Flair, so Evolution is definitely a thing, defeated RVD in a no-DQ, false-count-anywhere match to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. I believe Kane got involved in this because RVD was in the ring when Kane got unmasked, and Kane attacked RVD. And then Kane would go on a rampage like tombstoning Linda McMahon on the uh, the entranceway. He would go after Shane McMahon. Well, Shane McMahon would go after him because his mom got tombstoned. He would set JR on fire in the most unintentionally hilarious backstage bit ever because it was literally just the tape rewinding and going back and playing JR going I don't know why these things are such comic gold but my lord they are NWA TNA pay-per-view number 51 July 2nd 2003 Nashville Tennessee 700 fans 
in the dark matches, or more likely the explosion matches, we had uh, the James Gang, the BKM, whatever you want to call them, Ron Killings, Conan, and the Road Dog beat Spider Nate Webb, Kid USA, and Delirious. There's a lot of veritable who's who in early aughts indie wrestling in this bit here. Including Julio and De Niro and Alexis Lurie of The Gathering beating Matt Seidel, Evan Bourne, and Daisy Hayes. The Harris Twins beat Andy Goot, <laughs> Gooch and Jason Pocaro. And in the main event of Dark Match, Primetime Elix Skipper pinned Chris Hero. And my lord, what a full circle moment. Nate, take a shot. As Chris Hero has been backstage coaching and producing on AEW, I believe he was on doing Collision. I wouldn't be surprised if he was producing parts of Forbidden Door because, my lord, that pay-per-view, you heard my review of it. I got a lot of names wrong, but I digress because we got... Speaking of AEW Collision... <laughs> Shane Douglas pinned CM Punk. Then we had America's Most Wanted beating David Young and Sonny Siaki. Abyss pinning Eric Watts. I mean, this was really early in Abyss's career. It might be one of his first matches, if I'm not mistaken. Jerry Lynn pinned Just Incredible in a chain match. I did not bother to Google whether that was a dog collar match or a Texas Bull Rope match, or something else. Shark Boy pinned above average Mike Sanders. And in the... Nope, this is the penultimate main event. I stand corrected. Sandman beat New Jack by a score of 12-7 to 7 in the finals of the Hard 10 tournament. My goodness, you heard me talk about this. I'm disappointed that my recording with Kyle completely shit the bed because we ripped this tournament bloody apart. Uh, so convoluted, so Russo. And yeah, Sandman is your hard 10 champion, I guess. And speaking of champions, the NWA world champion AJ Styles pinned Frankie Kazarian in the main event. And finally, speaking of Kyle from the Apron Bump podcast, this is his favorite show, Velocity. Okay, am I reading this right? Has this faction already disintegrated? Matt Hardy, version one, beat Shannon Moore. I'm guessing Shannon Moore is going out on his own here, becoming a bit of an outcast. Who knows? Jamie Noble beat Brian Kendrick. Canyon! Beat Mike Bell. And if the name Mike Bell rings a bell, if you will, just look up Perry Saturn. And you will understand who Mike Bell, well, was, because Mike Bell passed away a couple of years ago. And nothing says velocity like Funaki jobbing to Sean O'Hare. And finally, it's time for SmackDown. July 3rd, 2003, not live. 
from the Blue Cross Arena in Rochester, New York. After a recap of last week's SmackDown, Vince McMahon called opens the show and says tonight he is going to seal the fate of Mr. America, that he is going to seal the fate of Zach Gowan as him and Stephanie McMahon take on the big show in a first ever... Oh, dear God. Rue handicap handicap match in parentheses here. Man, that ages like milk out in the sun in a heat wave. Oh, jeez. Kicking off the show, we have a cruiserweight championship match with Rey Mysterio defending against Nunzio. Billy Kidman is watching on from ringside, seemingly bitter about being injured. We haven't seen Kidman back in action as of yet, but he will be back in the fold very soon. Immediately, the FBI are kicked out from ringside, but like a cockroach, and like Don Callis, who is also a cockroach, they crawl their way back eventually. We see a lot of fantastic chain counter speed and submission wrestling here. A sunset flip by Rey Mysterio. A head scissor by Rey. A plancha. Nunzio goes for the superplex but is thrown off by Rey. Rey goes for a top rope seated senton but Nunzio catches him with a powerbomb in a mwah, chef's kiss magnifique moment of the week. Nunzio hits a modified glam slam, the Mexican surfboard by an Italian. I guess it makes it an Italian surfboard. Ray goes for the roll-up. Nunzio with a sidewalk slam, say that five times fast, a la Dino Bravo, R.I.P. Nunzio with the Davy Boy Smith Memorial chin lock and a backbreaker. Ray hits a flapjack. He drops the dime. There's a head scissor to the outside, but the FBI make the jump once again. But out come the Acolyte Protection Agency. I guess Rey Mysterio ponied up a little bit of dough for some protection. He dials up the 619, he drops the dime, and retains the Cruiserweight Championship. And Billy Kidman comes into the ring here, congratulates Rey, holds the title, gives it to him. And I thought there was a maybe a little bit of a... Jealousy animosity bit here with, you know, Kidman being injured, Kidman being the guy that Matt Hardy beat for the title at No Way Out. Matt, of course, lose to Rey Mysterio a little while after that. But no, the filthy animals, I guess, are reuniting on SmackDown. Let's go. Backstage, the shoving buddies, Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle are bonding over catering and milk. A young lady walks by and says, Hey, champ. Brock Lesnar, like, she was talking to me, the WWE champ. Angle's like, Nuh-uh. He was talking to me, the Olympic champ. Having a little playful banter here. Brock Lesnar then chugs some milk. Angle's is basically telling him to, you know, drink his milk and take his vitamins because, well, of course, that person who does that is no longer with the company. Spoiler alert. Then Angle is flirting with this young lady whose name is Missy. He takes 
a sip of milk. And then Brock Lesnar slaps Angle while having his mouth full of milk and spits it on Missy. And, well, you know what it looks like. I don't need to describe this to you. I am a pure, clean, good little virgin boy. <clears throat> Bukaki. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, speaking of good, pure virgin boy here, we got the Bashams with Shaniqua going up against Rhino and Chris Benoit. The Bashams here are led to the ring by Tough Enough winner Linda Miles, now known as Shaniqua, decking out the Bashams with S&M gear and a whip and a ball and a gag. Oh, boy. We are truly in the ruthless aggression era here, folks. And I'm recently learning this. But they weren't actually brothers. Like, Doug Basham, legit his name. And then the other guy was Danny something else. He was Danny Holly. So I guess they looked enough alike that they could be brothers. Just like Edge and Christian. So this match kicks off with a little contest here saying that you can win tickets to WrestleMania 20 by watching the new show, WWE Afterburn. What is Afterburn, Mr. Fretz? Uh, it's literally this week in WWE that Scott Stanford hosts on, on Sportsnet. Shout out to Scott Stanford. The Basham Brothers recently returned to action on Velocity, also taking on the same team here, Rabid Rhino, if you will. And Rhino is chopping the bejesus out of Doug Basham as if this is CM Punk versus Kojima with far less chops. Danny Basham is tagged in. They do a bit of twin magic here. Rhino has the Boston Crab. Danny with an insigiri. Taz says that the Basham's finisher is called the Ball and Gag. Too much information. I don't know if you like to finish with balls and gags, but, you know, keep that to yourself. I'm not one to kink shame. TMI. Ben Benoit then takes the boys to Suplex City. Air Canada... Danny rolls out of rolls out of the ring following that. We get a two count. The ball and gag is reversed into a gore and cross race, respectively, by the babyface tag team here, and Rabid Rhino defeat the Bashams. Backstage, Vince McMahon is playing drums on his deck desks with his pencils like he's Alex Van Halen. Steph McMahon walks in and asking if he's sure about this match. You know, Stephanie starts to get wide-eyed and and innocent and worried and sad and playing the daddy's little girl card here. Saying that she's not a wrestler. Bitch, three years ago, you were the WWE Women's Champion. I think you're a wrestler. You were in a match with Lita, you were in a match with Jacqueline. I think you had a match with The Rock or something like that. Okay, then what are you? Maybe you're not a wrestler in, in 2003. But anyways, I'm I'm babbling. She does the... Vince McMahon, I'm sorry, says that he'll reconsider. But, you know, does the spare the rod spoil the child bit? 
says good luck. And then Sable is also in the office here trying to console Steph in a rather condescending way. And it's really awkward. Like Sable, God bless her, not a good actor, not fit for the WWE. Just deer in the headlights, dead in the eyes. No. Bad acting all around. You folks want to see the grind? I mean, to be frank, I was going through the change around the time that was popular, so yes. But now, no. Backstage, Jamie Noble and Nydia arrive in style with a limo. Of course, Noble recently inherited $827,000, and he wants Nydia to be smart about it. So she breaks out sunglasses and a, and a fur coat. Oh, they're going to be poor in no time. And she's like, what? This is a genuine imitation mock mink coat. <laughs> yeah, that's fresh off the rack at Goodwill. So they're like, oh, yeah, let's be smart with our money. But then they wind up being fr frivolous with it. And our... <laughs> the bit ends right there. You know, Jamie Noble hands the limo driver a little bit of a tip for his troubles. Also backstage, we have Orlando Jordan shadowboxing. Undertaker walks into frame here and greets him and gives the young man some advice. That is in this business, you got to pay your dues. You go out there every week, get your ass kicked, pick yourself up and do it again. That beat down that John Cena gave you last week won't fly. What you got to do is to stand up to John Cena. Act like you have a set. And then you'll get the respect of the fans and get the respect of us in the back. John Cena walks into frame here, starts talking trash, says that, hey, I'm a veteran now. Yeah, one year into the business and no, you're not a veteran, John. Sorry, you are now, but no. Cena just wearing just outlandishly garish, like, glasses and his L.A. Lakers gear and all that. And then Taker says that no, everyone's always got to learn the hard way. And hard way he does as John Cena is up next, taking on Billy Gunn, accompanied by Tori Wilson, in a U.S. title tournament match. We have Daddy Ass Man against John Cena. And, I mean, I'm an ass man, Billy Gunn. That's one of the best themes in wrestling history. It's campy. It's, let's face it, kind of lame, kind of silly. But look at the lyrics to I'm an ass man. It, it sounds like Sammy Hagar is cracking on about asses. I'm an ass man. Yeah, I'm an ass man. I love to love him. I love to kick him. I love to shove them. I love to stick them. I love to flaunt them. I love to watch them. I love to pick them. Don't pick your ass in public. And I'm going to kick them. So many asses, so little time. Only a tight one can stop me on a dime. I'm a lover of every kind. The best surprises sneak up from... <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> Oh, that's some good shit, pal. I, I love that theme. That's... Oh, that's going into the Hall of Fame. So Tori Wilson here, speaking of good asses, is accompanying 
<laughs> Billy Gunn to the ring here. I am just a man. I am merely just a man. Shout out to Mr. YLP. John Cena wraps down to the ring talking about OJ and The Undertaker, not that OJ. He says, this ain't your yard. It's a prison and I'm the warden. He says Billy Gunn has a fetish with butts and that his favorite food is sausage and nuts. Hey, that's a lot of protein, guys. I mean, sausage and nuts, good workout food, or healthy in general, because meat is the healthiest food that we have. So, yeah, get your protein in, kids. And then <laughs> Cena finishes it off with, you'd rather feel up Chuck. Oh, man, we're only a year out from the commitment ceremony, and they're they're making Chuck Palumbo jokes. Where's Chuck been? Oh, that's right. He's been a biker on Velocity or on Sunday Night Heat. I don't know where he is at this point in time. John Cena is gaining the advantage here with an array of suplexes and chin locks. Tori Wilson is slapping the mat, I guess, to get the crowd to will on Billy Gunn. At this point, it was to no avail because John Cena was getting all the chance. Well, hello, Herbie. The cat of podcast is in my room and it looks like he's trying to take a dump on my floor. Which he just did, little jerk. Billy Gunn starts the battle back and hits an RKO onto John Cena. John Cena responds with a throwback, a move that he had been recently debuting, a, also a variation of the cutter. But Billy Gunn kicks out. John Cena goes for the chain, but... You've done it now. You've gone and made a big mistake because the Undertaker rides down to the ring here for the distraction. Billy Gunn rolls him up and advances in the U.S. title tournament. And it looks like that John Cena is going to learn the hard way. And like a thief in the night, the Undertaker rolls away up the ramp and out of the arena. Backstage, once again, the shoving buddies Brock and Angle bond over a challenge, this time over push-ups. Everything always has to be a competition between these two guys. And speaking of competition, coming up next we have a championship match, the tag team championships to be exact, with... Hassan Benjamin versus Eddie and Tajiri. But first, we're going to take a quick little commercial break while I clean up this mess that my cat just made and get a little drink for the rest of the show. Stay tuned. It's Friday, y'all, and you know exactly what that means. And if you don't know, you're about to find out because it's time to listen to the classiest Canadian I know, it's time for the Fretzelmania podcast right here on WrestleAddict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Rest in peace, Draws. Folks, this is the part of the show where I'm going to tell you about our merch, our Discord, our Patreon, and so much more. Check all the links in the description of this podcast where you can get merch from all of us here. On Wrestle Addict Radio, we got the Fretzelmania Collection, the YLP Collection, also for the Young Cubs, 
Brace for Impact, and The Kings of the Rings collection featuring Willie T, Agent K Murphy, K Fabe, if you will, and of course our esteemed general manager, the royal one himself, King Ricky Rose. T-shirts and hoodies, swim trunks, it's beach season, peeps, so get your beach gear on. Beer glasses and coffee mugs and travel mugs and so, so much more. Be sure to also follow us on Discord. Link is in the description here, where you can just shoot the breeze with us, share memes, and you'll get, basically, you'll get early access to what's going to be on the Tip of the Crown post-show with the Kings of the Rings podcast with the memes that mostly me <laughs> curate throughout the week. Join us, Wrestle Attic Radio, say it with me, kids, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Austin Benjamin, the yet-to-be-christened World's Greatest Tag Team Challenge, the champions, Eddie Guerrero and Tajiri for the SmackDown Tag Titles. And tonight's SmackDown is brought to you by Stridex Fruit Therapy, Xbox, and Taco Bell. The champs come out in a really nicely decked out low rider Chevy truck. And like another match earlier tonight, we saw a lot of great technical chain and counter wrestling. Eddie Guerrero hits a springboard head scissors that takes out both men, Shelton with a really nice suplex, Charlie Haas with a snap suplex into a float over pin for a near fall. Tadgers with the wheel kick and a prototype version of the Sling Blade in 2003. We see German suplexes, but Tajiri lands on his feet. World's Greatest Tag Team hit the Lariat Bomb finisher, but Eddie makes the save. Eddie is holding the, ta the tag rope, claiming that Charlie Haas never made the tag in this match. Now, I still don't understand what the purpose of the tag rope is, and I'm I'm going to have to look into this because it's always intrigued me in a way. They are working over Tajiri, but finally Eddie has the hot tag landing a spagingo ding back body drop on Charlie Haas. He goes for the three amigos but could only afford two. Tajiri it's the handspring elbow on Shelton. Eddie with a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker on Haas. Tajiri goes for the tarantula on Haas, while Eddie frog splashes Benjamin, but that also results into a near fall. Haas and Benjamin send Tajiri onto the hood of the lowrider truck, allowing the atomic drop super kick finisher by the team formerly known as Team Angle and new SmackDown Tag Champions, Haas and Benjamin. We then are immediately cut to a backstage vignette where the, the fate of Mr. America is sealed as af after the cameras stopped rolling on SmackDown from MSG the previous week, Mr. America unmasks to be... Hulk Hogan. 
What? No way. Back from the commercial, and Eddie Guerrero is crestfallen. He is beside himself. He just falls to his knees, whips Tajiri out of the way, and is like, oh, my poor truck. He shows concern for his truck and attacks Tajiri, beats the crap out of him, and after showing concern for his brand new ride, he puts the man through the windshield. Okay, now this is where I had a hatred for Eddie began that actually lasted until not long before he passed away. And I carried a lot of guilt uh, with that for, for quite a while after, after he'd passed because I loved Tajiri. I was indifferent about Eddie for years and this just turned me off of him until... I think until he turned heel on Rey Mysterio in 05, which is when I started to come around on him, which unfortunately 05 is when he passed away, which makes it makes it even worse. We then have, again, a little bit about Mr. America, but first a match between Orlando Jordan and A-Train. A-Train goes for the Baldo Bomb, Orlando kicks out, goes for a crossbody, but is swatted away, and finally... The A-Train wins with the train wreck. Backstage, Big Show threatens Stephanie McMahon. We then see a WrestleMania 20 ad leading right into Vince McMahon and Sable walking down to the ring to make an announcement. SmackDown is in Toronto next week, Taz, is, Taz and Cole are saying here, and yeah, I am going to review that. I'm going to come back down to that episode of SmackDown. So that's my next show after this, hopefully next week. He says that Mr. America's fate is being decided tonight. He goes through the history of following WrestleMania 19, Vince McMahon denying Hogan on TV and sending him home and paying him. And he said that most of you would take that paycheck to stay at home. And you know what? That speaks volumes because a lot of people would still to the, do that today. Go out and get a job, folks. He is proving tonight that Mr. America is Hulk Hogan. And because of that, his contract is null and void. He breached his contract. And they show the bit where the cameras stop rolling, Hogan on masks, and Vince McMahon fires him. Oh, and then he adds the big show to the event, the Vengeance World title match, which was initially going to be just between Brock Lesnar and the returning Kurt Angle. So now we have a triple threat. Oh, Hogan, Mr. America, you're fired. We wouldn't see Hogan on our screens, I think, until next year when he went into the Hall of Fame, if not a little while later. And coming up next is our main event. The Big Show versus Stephanie McMahon and Zach Gowan in a no-holds-barred handicap match. No-holds-barred 
without Hogan, what's that smell? Doogie. And gee, I wonder if anyone's going to interfere in this match. I wonder if anyone's going to take advantage of this no-holds-barred stipulation. I'm looking at you, Zeus. I'm watching you. We then hear a rock version of Kurt Angle's theme, and Zach Gowan's music here allegedly was either going to go to Kurt Angle, because it kind of has the da-da, da-da, but in a more rock-like um, sound to it. But it didn't, so it went to Zach Gowan here, and it wound up that they hired the wrong one-legged wrestler, so they're kind of toying with this guy. And Zach Gowan at this point in time was maybe 21, 22 years old, and just a fresh-faced young man just getting thrown into the world and thrown into the wolves like this, thrown into the spotlight, and then they get the rock. I don't know. This run is weird. And that promo that Vince McMahon did where he was jealous of Zach and wanted to be him because Vince McMahon never had to overcome anything. <laughs> oh, 20 years hindsight that. <laughs> well, you know. So the big show is toying with Gowan here, throwing down Stephanie McMahon. Steph jumps on the big show with like a sleeper hold kind of deal here, but Big Show just whips her onto the floor. Vince McMahon showing no emotion and no concern for his own daughter and Zach Gowan. Then Big Show pulls the leg, the <clears throat> the fake, the prosthetic leg off of Zach Gowan, a la Roddy Piper recently. And I think Roddy Piper did this to a fan like in the 80s, and which is why they're kind of going full circle. They take a shot on this bit again. But Piper, at this point in time, he was already out of the WWE. I think around this time, he was in TNA calling Vince Russo a murderer because of the um, Owen Hart situation. We then see a one-legged drop kick, And both men are gorilla-pressed into the ring by the Big Show, as this match for a while was kind of a schmoz going on around ringside. Big Show goes for the choke slam on Steph, but Zach Gowan stops that. But he eats a showstopper choke slam by the big man as a result. Zach Gowan, before this, knocks down Vince McMahon. Stephanie McMahon slaps her own father. Big Show goes for the choke slam on Stephanie McMahon again, but out comes Kurt Angle, ankle slam, ankle lock, and Michael Cole is screaming, "Break his damn ankle, Kurt! Break his damn ankle!" The big and then, good lord, Brock Lesnar also bolt, bolts to the ring here to help them. Chair to the back of the Big Show, the F five to Vince McMahon is denied. Then we get the one-legged drop kick onto the Big Show, who was holding a chair, so kind of a half Van Daminator. Angle slam, F5, one-legged moonsault, 
one-legged drop kick to Vince McMahon for good measure while his phone flies out of his pocket and Zach Gowan wins. As a result of this match, he wins a WWE SmackDown contract. And this show is absolutely nuts. You know, I remember this vividly because I was watching SmackDown on the regular at this point. Uh, my cable package at home changed and some of my channels were not where they were used to be. And then I found out, oh, I have these other ones, including the network that carried SmackDown in Canada, The Score, now known as, I think, Sportsnet One, part of the Rogers, or the Rogers Sports Package. So I was watching this week to week, and a lot of stuff is going to be coming coming back to me as I finish the year 2003 on SmackDown. So that'll do it for this episode, folks. Thank you very much for listening. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E-Mania. This podcast is available on Russell Addict Radio. Say it with me, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Be sure to follow us on the Twitter at Attic underscore Wrestle, at Wrestle Attic Radio on Instagram. I believe War has a TikTok account. I do not have it anymore. Kings of the Rings has one, I do believe. I cannot speak for the rest of us on the network. And speaking of the rest of us, not on Festivus, listen to good brother Nate the effing great, your favorite wrestling banana. Follow him at Real FN Game and listen to the Brace for Impact podcast. You got your retro TNA fix every week. I do believe that uh, I'm going to be on that show at some point in the near future. I can announce here that uh, Nate is going to be my guest for SummerSlam 2003 coming up around, oh, let's say the end of August, maybe the beginning of September, depending on the schedule. Every Wednesday night, we got the Kings of the Rings podcast streaming live on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch. Yes, it is during Dynamite, but hey, you can watch more than one thing and also live tweet Dynamite all at the same time. I'm sure a bunch of us do that. You got King Ricky Rose, you got Willie T, you got sometimes Kay Murphy or a special guest. I was on there recently. I think I was previewing uh, Forbidden Door back when there was only like four matches announced one week out on the show. And yeah, it's always a good time with the Kings of the Rings. And why not kick off your weekend in proper YLP fashion with the Young Lions perspective every Saturday with Good Brother Zach. You got your news of the week. You got other things and reviews that only the Stephen A. Smith of Russell Attic Radio knows how to do. So until next week, folks, TTFN, ta-ta for now, and keep your stick on the ice. This has been a Russell Attic Radio branded podcast.